630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6:30, Chad. Okay, thanks for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. We got Patrick Bauer as our studio producer on the other side of the window. Patrick, old boy, how are you this evening? Uh, it's good. It's good. Been a long day. Been a long day. How come? Am I allowed to ask? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm back in I've... school to improve my station in life. So I got up at 5 a.m. to start studying for exams. I wrote two today. Oh wow! Am I now? Uh, what is it? You like in grade 11 or what's going on? I'm uh, trying. To, I've got half my grade 11 already. I made it to grade uh, six. So <laughs> no. Um, Am I allowed to? I don't want to get too personal. I don't want to potentially embarrass you or make you feel uncomfortable. I'm in I honestly pursuit. Didn't, I honestly didn't know this was happening. No, nobody did. Um, <laughs> except except the boss <laughs> no, man. Nobody <laughs> well, now you're about to tell the 14 people that listen to the show. Um, I'm going back to, uh, no, I bet I was going to tell you a joke, but it's a bit too risque. So let's just, I'll be honest. I'm going to, uh, I'm trying to get an engineering diploma. Oh, good. Yeah. So from uh, what school am I allowed from to Nate. ask that? Yeah, from it's Nate. Nate. Good. Yep. I, I went to Nate. It's an intense program though, with a lot to know. And it's been a long time since I did math. So <laughs> it's been a steep learning curve. That's what I, that's what I do found, find now when you have to do, well, I mean, I've obviously been out of school for a long time, but when all of a sudden you have to do math in your head, <laughs> that's more complicated than, okay, eight plus five. Yeah. Or now when you have to multiply something, like, oh, my God, what do I do? Where's my – I need a calculator. Now we have calculators on our phones, so yeah. you have everything there. Here's another challenge for people that, that, I, that, I, have, that I have found. Uh, I don't, I, maybe not everybody will understand this, but next time you have to leave a note, whether it's for a coworker, a spouse, a parent, a whatever – actually do it in handwriting like don't oh, yeah. print it because it seems like once you finish high school when do you actually use handwriting like i know even when i went and i went to university i, I did like i got a i got a, 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 a degree from the u of a as well and even when you would take notes in class i maybe my first year i would handwrite but then i would find printing was just faster or just, you, de- or, you yeah. develop, or you or you develop your own shorthand yeah exactly so now when i actually if you actually think okay i'm going to use actual handwriting is that called cursive it is called cursive and if you saw mine you'd think i was a doctor you know what i mean <laughs> right so so yeah it's it's like now when you actually have to hand use handwriting say wait how do i connect the b to, to it's to it's whatever, easier so. to speak in cursive than it is to write <laughs> yes that's a very that's a very good point uh all right well, what are, we're gonna bring in uh actually dave campbell talked to Dion lacy we're gonna get to that in a few minutes i want to catch up to uh some text messages here jay bueller says uh 15 people listening i just tuned in well i appreciate that jay uh, Morn says, uh, hey, Reed, Oilers fans should be happy the team is actually winning, yet you still get negative messages coming in. Uh, you know what, Morn? I, positive, neg- people just love talking about the team. You know, hey, it's a sports show. People want to discuss sports, have a whole bunch of different ideas. Uh, this station, this show, most of the talk is going to be about two teams, the Edmonton Oilers and the Edmonton Eskimos. And you know what? I, you're going you're gonna to like this, Patrick. I was on a radio station in Las Vegas yesterday. 
Yeah, they 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 wanted me to review some Cirque du Soleil shows, so I thought, oh, I'll go on. No, but I was on the hockey <laughs> show. They, they got a show. They got a show called the Vegas Hockey Hotline. Brian Blessing is the host. He's been on this show a couple times. Dana Lane, who's been on, uh, was interviewing me as well. And I said, look, in the Edmonton market, when it comes to hockey, you split hairs, and then you split those hairs that have already been split. That's just the nature of it. I, I, I enjoy it. it does, sure, do sometimes people say things that catch me off guard, even though I'm getting more experience doing this? Absolutely. But I, I don't mind I don't mind debating Milan Lucic or picking guys' games apart. That's hey, that's part of the discussion. And then I you know, whenever whenever I like I I'd, I'd love my job. And so if I if and I I wasn't thinking this, but if I were to have thought to myself in the last half hour, like, oh, why is this guy bringing this up? I think all you have to do is stop and think to yourself, what would it be like to be a Dallas Cowboys radio host this week? Like, can you, ima- can you imagine what, what what that must be like? Like, it'd be like questioning, you know, play calls on second and three in the, in the second quarter. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was an incredible game, by the way. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, but it's like they say, opinions. Opinions are, are like uh, a certain body part. Everybody's got one. They most most of them stink, right? <laughs> oh my goodness, you are you are a risque young man. <laughs> that was clean. That was the church version. <laughs> <laughs> the, the church version. My goodness. By the way, uh, Dana Carvey's church lady, one of my favorite SNL characters of all time. I remember her. Yes, uh, remember her. Uh, Brian from Withrow. Uh, calling himself uh, listener number uh, 16 tonight. Appreciate that. Uh, Yakushev texting back. And by the way, I love Yakushev. He's got an incredible sense of humor, but he's being serious tonight. And uh, he goes, I'm not putting Lucic down as a person. And I should say, Yakushev, I didn't think you were. Absolutely, I didn't think you were. So sorry if I made it sound like that in uh, in my response. He go, uh, Yakushev says, I like the interviews he gives, and he sounds like an honest person. At least his answers aren't the generic replies you get from 95% of the players in the league. Uh, but every team has players willing to stand up to Lucic, and if Kadri wasn't scared to treat McDavid the way he did, uh, then who would be? That's from Yakushev. Uh, Big L says, uh, Reed, I love Drew Remender's perspective. Let's just imagine, uh, regarding Lucic, let's just imagine he doesn't pan out with Edmonton over the length of his contract, but by signing him, Shirelli brought a certain level of legitimate leadership and competitiveness to the team. A big fish finally wanted to come to Edmonton. Personally, I don't believe he's a player who can keep up with today's game or that he will complete his tenure with the Oilers. This team has two to three big players who can play rough but also play the game, so his role must be exaggerated to some extent. But I do believe Lucic has brought some kind of change in attitude and increased level of intention to this team, and that's something I'm certain McClellan greatly appreciates. A couple of very fair texts. And look, sometimes when we talk about one player, I say, well, I think Lucic does this. It'd be it'd be foolish of me to to actually to think that Lucic is is solely responsible. I, I think he's one of many things that have contributed to the Oilers being a more competitive team this year. Just like when they were 29th, and we might talk about goaltending on one show, that wasn't the only reason um, th- that they were a losing team. I, I mean, they didn't have goaltending, they didn't have defense, they didn't have enough toughness, they didn't have enough secondary scoring, they didn't have experienced coaching. So. But but look, I, I, overall, for for me, overall, I would categorize. If you were to say, Reed, you got to make it black and white. Has Lucic been a positive or a negative addition? For me, it would be positive. It it, it really would. Now, when we split the hairs, yes, I would like him to score more. Um, you know, he's playing a little further down in the lineup right now. I don't think that will last. 
And I'm personally optimistic, personally optimistic, that as we get closer to the playoffs, and if the Oilers do get into the playoffs and it's looking good, that I think maybe we'll see some more obvious contributions from Lucic. That, that's how I'll word that. That's what I'm hopeful uh, we'll see, and, and, and I think his history in the league shows that. So that's, that's how I balance that out. And again, it's nice we're talking about this when the team is still nine games over 500 as opposed to nine games under or, uh, or where we're going to be. All right, uh, 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630, as many of you have been, and I do appreciate that. Uh, this texter says, I predict Shane Doan will be an oiler and help them for a run to the playoffs. That is a compelling idea. Uh, Shane Doan, if he does get traded, will have to approve the destination. Personally, I think it's most likely he goes to San Jose if it comes down to that. But Shane Doan as a rental for the Oilers uh, wouldn't bother me. I know uh, Rob Brown and I talked about that a bit last night. I want to get to this comment here from... Oilers head coach Todd McClellan as well. He was asked about how close is Jordan Everly to scoring? That close. <laughs> night in and night out. Like it's it's a post and a post and out, a crossbar and out. Uh, eventually it's going to go post and in. Um, you know, even last night we were up 3-1 and we had him on the ice with an empty net opportunity. We were hoping that, that he or, or Benoit could uh, find a way to get it and, and put it in. But um, you know, personally, I, I'd rather see them score with the goaltender in, and, and that'll do wonders for their confidence. But uh, there's a lot being made out of it. Um, he has played quite well, in my opinion, over the last little bit. Uh, we're talking about Jordan and and uh, creating a number of opportunities for him and his line mates, and he's been pretty responsible defensively. So while the numbers aren't there, and we definitely need to find them, uh, he's been able to contribute to, to our uh, opportunity at success night in and night out. So McClellan actually fairly positive about Everly's overall play, including away from the puck and in his own end recently. And uh, and I think that's a positive if the coach sees that. And obviously that, well, Nugent Hopkins scored and Pouliot and uh, Everly look like they're coming on a little bit as well. So I hope so, because it's been a tough year for those. I mean, more so for Pouliot. Everly has had his burst. But if those guys start contributing, again, it's a team 24, 15, and 7 that you still look at some guys and say, oh, man, where's just a little bit more? So I think that's a positive as well. What we got to do here is take a timeout, and then we'll catch up uh, with a guy a lot of you like playing uh, watching play over the last couple of years, even though he wouldn't shake your hand if you were on the other team. Former Eskimos linebacker Dion Lacey now going to make a run with the Miami Dolphins. He's up next. This is Matt Hendricks from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. All right, well, you know, there's a little more CFL news lately with free agency approaching. I mentioned that Kenny Stafford, pretty good receiver, was with Montreal uh, in 2016, won the Cup with the Eskimos in 2015. He has signed with Winnipeg, and some guys are uh, leaving. Darrell Walker leaving the Eskimos to try out with Tampa Bay, and Dion Lacey, linebacker and special teams demon for the green and gold, has signed on with the Miami Dolphins, and Dave Campbell spoke to uh, Dion, and uh, he said, has it sunk in yet that uh, you're actually getting a shot with the NFL? Yeah, a little bit, but it's not much as uh, 
I thought it would, you know, because I'm, I'm so humble about most things, so it's not really kicked in yet, but I just am so eager to get started with, with the guys at the Dolphins organization. So I'm just eager to get started. Uh, when you signed the deal, uh, tell me about, I guess, why why Miami was the, the best fit for you? Because you, you had several workouts with uh, several NFL teams. Why did it work so well with the Dolphins, you think? What, what was what was so good about the fit? Well, I like the defense that, that they have. And uh, when I went down there and I did the workout with them and, and I got the feel for the, for the guys, I've seen a few guys when I was there. And then I met the GM and the head coach position the linebacker coach and he's a fiery guy and I kind of like that because back in school and college I'm not kind of my linebacker coach kind of like that you know and um it was you know it was a bit tough decision at first but when it came down to it you know I told him well I told my agent where I wanted to go and it was Miami because I felt like that's the place God wanted me to go you mentioned about having a fiery personality that's kind of that kind of describes you doesn't it yeah, that's that what kind of you know brought me to him. So, how many workouts did you have in total? Uh, I did ten, but I had more. But I kind of you know kind <laughs> of turned it down after a month. You know. Mm-hmm. Tell me what it's like to go through that process and and to you know you you work out with the first team, then you're working out with you know team two, team three, team four, and as you mentioned, it it took 10 workouts to finally make a decision on on which uh you know which team that you felt was the best suitor and which team felt that you were good for you know for 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 their purposes what's it like going through that that process of workout to workout to workout yeah, it feel like it's uh <laughs> i guess uh you know pro a you're going to every team and trying to show your best that you can do at your position and then in between flights you might have two workouts back to back you know, make sure you ice up the night before when you got back to back workouts. Because it was a couple of weeks where I had two and three workouts during the week that we had to get in because you no know, Christmas was coming up and and things like that. And the dates kind of running out for teams to fit in. So it was it was it was different. It was tiring a little bit as far as getting up and down on those planes. So it was all right. It paid off in the end, though. <laughs> it sounds like training camp all over again. <laughs> In some respects. Yeah. <laughs> so the timeline is you go through a training camp, you had a CFL training camp for three weeks, then you go through the meat grinder of an 18-game schedule and, and playoffs, and, uh, you know, the team uh, was one game short of the Grey Cup, so you're playing deep into the season, and then uh, then all of a sudden you're thrust into workouts. That's that's crazy on the body and, and also on the mind, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. You have to get that rest, and you have to make sure you're eating right, you know. You really have to when it comes to, you know, all the extra hours that you're not having to rest. So you have to put the energy in your body to be able to do that. Joined by Deion Lacey, former Edmonton Eskimos linebacker, now a member of the Miami Dolphins. Uh, reflect back on your three years uh, with the Edmonton Eskimos. Obviously, the 2015 year has got to be the high point, but uh, you spent three years up here yeah. and you were uh you were named an all-star your first season you were named uh, twice in a row the the team nominee for the most outstanding special teams player you were the the top rookie in 2014 as well uh, and you won a great cup in 2015 uh, what what's your best memories and and what are you going to take away from your cfl experience here with the eskimos on how to be professional about you know playing a game 
you know, because I used to be like too fiery sometimes. <laughs> I have to calm down and stuff like that because I'm still being thrown into the games. And um, the Edmonton organization, they gave me an opportunity, and I'm, I'm really thankful for that because it led me to this one. And um, and when I found out about, you know, Miami and Cam Wake and stuff like that, he came from the CFL, and I felt like there was another plus for, for me going towards that team because they, they had a guy kind of like my story going to CFL and coming back to the NFL. They got something to prove to himself and to NFL like I can play NFL ball. Mm-hmm. But MT Eskimo is a great organization, you know. Um, play with Coach Jones, Ed Hurry, great guy, Jim. He always tell me, you know, <laughs> calm down sometimes or, or keep doing what you're doing. You know, and that was in a bad way, you know, always positive. Um, coach Moss a great coach. You know, be more laid back. You know, he's going to tell you what you need to do and get it done type. Like, then there's explanatory. Nothing. Then else that he's not one of those type guys, you know, waste his breath if he doesn't have anything to say. Nothing needs to be said. He just, he just moves on to the next phase to get to another win. Uh, coach Jones, great coach. Uh, we had a great time with him. Had an opportunity to win a, a great cup. That's the best feeling in the world. And I thought well, that we were going to get a chance to get it back with Coach Moss, but, you know, ended in the snow. So. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, right? That that, that, no was, that was a tough loss, wasn't yeah. it? Uh, it just just didn't seem like the team yeah. was able to get any traction until about, I don't know, late in the third quarter. Yeah. That, that was, I, I never played in a game with that much snow, but the, cold, the, the weather, as far as cold, yeah, because I didn't play it in negative 20. 19 before. Yeah. But the snow was so thick on the ground, you had to always click your head together. Make sure you don't slip when you take off. So, they had a guy that we're used to, and the France was running like it was just sunny outside, you know? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what is this? What, why are they Why are they so comfortable with this? And yeah, why are they he, moving like it's grass, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was running like so when's the uh, when's the first time that you're going to be meeting with uh, all of your teammates and get together for uh, off-season workouts? Um, I'm trying to figure that out. I'm trying to get there as soon as I can. So um, when I find that out from the coaches and when they let me know when the areas I can come in, and then when I come in, I'm going straight to working out. I just finished working out not too long ago, so I'm just trying to stay ready. Very cool. Dion, it was uh, nice to chat with you. Uh, congratulations again on your deal with the Miami Dolphins. And you mentioned Cam Wake, and uh, he was a great uh, CFL player up here uh, with the BC Lions. Yeah, and it'd be, it'd be really cool like he did recently on a, on, on a uh, on an evening game, a primetime game, uh, that we could see Dion Lacey down the road say, Dion Lacey, Edmonton Eskimos. That would be really cool. So, uh, Dion, thanks for your time today, and all the best down the road, okay? All right, thanks. That is Dion Lacey talking to our Dave Campbell. All the best to him as he pursues NFL dreams with the Miami Dolphins. And we're hoping Thursday on the show to have one of your favorites, Darrell Walker, who has uh, signed on with the Tampa Bay Lightning. It's now 7-6 for Dallas leading the New York Rangers. Another wild game. Nine minutes left in the third. Dallas was up 7-3. We'll update the full scoreboard when we get back. And we got a really cool story coming up as well. You're going to meet Grant Canton from Stony Plain, Alberta. Now a groundsman at one of the most famous venues in the world, Wimbledon. 
How do you make it from Stony Plain to Wimbledon? Grant will have that story when we get back. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Hey, this is Jordan Eberle from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet. 24 hours from now, well, in about three or four minutes, plus the 24 hours, the Oilers will be facing off against Florida. We'll have the face-off show at 6 o'clock here on 6.30, Chet. And, of course, the Panthers in action this evening. They already lead Calgary 2-1 with five minutes left in the first. Chicago up 2-1 on the Avalanche. That's also in the first period. Late second period, Wild with a 2-1 lead on the Devils. Senators 3, St. Louis 1, 5 minutes left in the second frame. Toronto 3, Buffalo 2, that's early in the third. Columbus is going to beat Carolina. They're up 4-1 in the final minute, and what a game in New York. It's now 7-6, Dallas leading the Rangers with 8 minutes left. At one point, it was 7-3 for Dallas. Still to come tonight, the Predators and the Canucks, and the Lightning play the Ducks. Basketball tonight, the Raptors taking on lowly Brooklyn. Brooklyn was hanging around in this one, but the Raps have pulled away in the second half, up 109-94 with five minutes left. Brooklyn coming into the game 8-32, and and they've lost their last 10. That's soon going to be 11. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 630 Chet, and I'm very pleased to welcome to the show Grant Canton. Grant, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Thanks a lot for having me. All right, so we met the other night at a, the uh, Oilers game, and, and you have a really cool story. And just to, uh, deputy head groundsman, is that your official title? Uh, it was. As of January 1st, I've I become the head groundsman. You've become the head groundsman at, uh, at the All England Lawn Tennis Club. That's the full name? That is, yes. As we call it here in North America, Wimbledon. Correct. Well, that's incredible. And you grew up in Stony Plain. I did, yeah. It's... Uh, it's kind of a funny story, you know, I uh, grew up in Stony Plain, went to high school there and made the big move to Spruce Grove and once I uh, finished my time in Spruce I moved down to Calgary and I really got into golf. I loved golf and uh, started working on a golf course there and I was always amazed at how immaculate the courses were kept, how the greens were absolutely perfect just like carpet. So that's what got me interested in uh, turf management. So I uh, enrolled in Olds College and did my two-year turf management program there. And the day after graduation, me and my two buddies decided we uh, were going to move to Australia and worked on a very good course there. Absolutely loved it. And it was there I met a couple British guys, and they uh, they kind of planted the seed, so to speak, about maybe going to London and working at Wimbledon. Uh, at the time, I wasn't sure. Tennis wasn't really my thing. But I figured, you know what, if I could get over to London, what a great gateway, what a great hub to travel Europe. Sure. So it was. Uh, it was I was only going for one year back in 2002. Absolutely fell in love with the place, and uh, the next year they offered me back, and uh, yeah, this year will be my 16th year. That is incredible. So that's that's the Coles Notes version of how a, a kid from Stony Plain, you probably still see yourself that way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, can can wind up working at, at one of the. I mean, look, if somebody said to me, name the five most famous venues in the world, any, any sport, any 
continent. I, I put Wimbledon. I mean, I, I, Augusta would obviously come to mind. MSG were the Rangers. I've certainly put Wimbledon. I mean, do you, do you still have pinch yourself moments going to work every day? You know what? I, I, I try to walk the courts every morning, and every day I go into center court, whether it's in the summer or in the winter, and I just sometimes you just go in there all by myself. It's completely empty, and I just think, wow, this is such a great opportunity. I, I still feel very privileged and honored to work there. Um, but everybody knows Wimbledon. I've been all over the world, and everybody knows Wimbledon. They know it's tennis in England, and it's just one of those, you know, you don't have to be a tennis fan, but they know what it is. It's the most prestigious, most historic, I would say, sporting event. Augusta comes second in my books, but it's only a four-day event, where yeah. Wimbledon, Wimbledon's a 13-day event. So it's uh, it's one of the biggest tournaments, annual sporting events in the world. Well, this is incredible. So you go to old college, old called turf management was the course you took. Yep. So 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 then you get the chance to to go to London, work at Wimbledon. So how do you how do you prove yourself in in your industry that that you can you go know, work at Wimbledon and 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 keep these courts in immaculate condition? What do you have to do to separate yourself from other guys and and, and girls who want to do the same thing? That's a good question. And when I do my speeches to uh, students and uh, whoever I'm speaking to, I always say, you know, there's book smarts, but you learn pretty much everything in the field. To the young guys that are coming in to work, I say, look, always ask questions. Ask the mechanic a question. Ask the irrigation guy a question. Let's pretend you have to run this place by yourself. You should be able to know how to do everything, you know. And I always remember my dad. He'd uh, he'd get us out of bed early on Sunday mornings to cut our grass. I absolutely hated it. But looking back, he always taught me, be the first guy to work, be the last one to leave, make an impression on the boss, and you will go places. And, uh, and it, in my case, that's true. I've, I've always worked hard. I always stayed late. I didn't say pay me overtime. I just stayed till the job was done, wanting to be there. And whatever job I did, I knew my name was behind it. So I wanted to prove that that's my handiwork. And, you know, people are happy with the courts. And uh, it's just a pride thing, really. So how long were you a deputy, a deputy groundsman? I was deputy head groundsman from 2011 until January 1st this year. And now you're the guy. You're the head groundsman. So how did the, the previous person leave, or is it like... Uh, no, what happened, it was more of a title change because okay. uh, Neil Stubbley, who was head groundsman, is now grounds manager. And he looks after a lot of the other... He oversees a lot of the other venues. He's, he'll go to Germany, he'll go to the Netherlands, uh, Turkey, all these other countries to check on their courts. So he's not around a whole bunch. And when he is, he's always in meetings. So pretty much this last year, I've, I've taken charge of that role of looking after the grass courts. I've got a crew of 30 guys. So this this year, or sorry, 2016, I basically took over the whole program. And uh, then then was January 1st, they uh, made me head groundsman. Okay, so uh, Grant Canton joining us, uh, head groundsman at Wimbledon. So here's the here's my maybe stupid question for you. The tournament, what is it, in July, two weeks in July? Yep. What happens the other 50 weeks there? That's another question I get asked a lot. It is a private members club, mm-hmm. so after the after the actual event, the courts are open for members play. There's a lot of inter-club tournaments, so our members will play other members from different clubs. It's quite funny because people like Roger Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, Andy Murray, they're all eligible to play for Wimbledon's club, so they could go around and pretty much clean everybody, <laughs> but they don't. They're obviously playing. So if you've won the tournament, you get to be a member of the club. That's correct. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, but there's a, we're very busy, and uh, after the tournament, we'll slowly start taking some of the courts out. We always start with center court, then number one court. We take off every blade of grass back to the soil, and we regrow the courts every single year. And we have 40 grass courts, and it's a heck of a lot of work. And wow. we have to get this done 
before winter kind of creeps in. That ryegrass needs to be grown in the fall or the previous autumn. Okay. For the next summer. Because is the, is it shut down now the club or can you still use is the weather good enough you can still use it a little bit? No, the grass courts are closed from okay. uh, end of September. But it doesn't snow there, does it? It I does once in a while. It does a little bit. Okay. It, it, but we don't want anybody on the grass. You know, it's, right. Uh, okay. It, it needs time to. It, it basically goes dormant. It goes to bed. So forty courts are they are are they all used for Wimbledon? Yep, they are. Eh? Uh, okay, so center court. That's the the big one, and that's it's covered now, isn't it? A retractable? There's a retractable roof on it. Yeah. But but so once when when Wimbledon's not going on, it could be like two 15 year olds that are part of the club playing. Well, that court they, that court is only used for the two. That's weeks. only used for the tournament. And okay. I, and I, well, I was and, curious about that. And I that. love that because it keeps it special. Not everybody gets to go on there. Just players and our ground staff are basically the only people allowed to walk on the hallowed turf. And I look at that grass as the most important and famous piece of grass in the world. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. Well, th- this is fascinating stuff because this is a whole side of, of sports and tennis that we, we wouldn't think about. So when when the tournament is on, I mean, I'm guessing you you, you probably don't sleep because I mean, when we see, you, you can watch on TV and see how the courts will... You probably hate this word, but deteriorate is that the right word? Just yeah, from yeah. from the, from the usage and the and the patches from where the players are always running yep. get worn down. So, what are the challenges to maintaining it when you might have what three, four matches a day on each court? Those tennis courts will have more play on them in two weeks than a soccer field will in two years, like oh, like, in, like in the English <laughs> Premier League. <clears throat> it's a it's it's a very 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 tough job. We have to make sure those courts are prepared correctly because they have 13 days of tennis on them, roughly eight, nine hours a day. If we can get to day 13 men's final and the court is still in relatively pretty good shape, I mean, the baselines are pretty much gone. We expect that. Mm -hmm. But we want to make sure those baselines don't look like that after seven days. So we have to monitor the courts every day. We'll have our hardness readings every day. We'll know exactly how hard the courts are. Uh, Every night the courts do get a little bit of drink of water. It's just like you and me. It needs water from time to time, mm-hmm. and that will help keep the uh, the firmness levels where we want them. So it's it's monitoring, and the weather is our biggest uh, biggest problem because yes, it could be 25 degrees sunny one day, the next day it's 15 degrees and raining. Five degrees difference in temperature plays a huge role, and it's a, it makes a complete difference on uh, on our pre- uh, preparations. So I'm usually there probably 16, 17 hours a day for three weeks straight. Right. So by the end of it all, I'm very, very tired. But you know what? At the end of it, when the trophy's being lifted and the players are all happy with the court, that's that's my trophy. That's job done. Now, are you uh, allowed, or, or maybe this is exactly what you should be doing, but do you do you speak to the players about the quality of the surface? Might you have a guy come up to you and say, Grant, this was great, or I don't know about this one today? I mean, what is there an interaction there? Yeah, I mean... Uh, that's another great part of my job is I get to interact with all the players and, you know, being there 15 years now, you know, you get to know them quite well. Uh, it's exciting that Milos Raonic is coming through the ranks now. He's now world number three. Mm-hmm. Very exciting for Canada. Uh, I said a few years ago I never saw a Canadian flag being waved in center court, but when he was playing, it was uh, it was there and I was very proud. He's one of the guys I talk to a lot and basically all the players will want to know how's the courts? Is there anything different you guys done? And every year we prepare them exactly the same. When Tim Henman was uh, playing, you know, 10 years ago, it was always, well, why don't you make the courts that favor him? It's like, well, we can't. It's, it's they're, they're prepared for, they're prepared <laughs> right. the same for everybody. We're not going to change it. So they all know. Player how has to play. learn how to exactly. play on. Exactly, you know, and, it, and it's fair for everybody, and it's, it's what we do. We wouldn't want to start messing around with how we prepare the courts. We know it's tried and t- tested. We know what we're doing, and uh, the results are great. So we, we stick with it. How long is the grass? 
It's eight millimeters. Eight, oh jeez, okay. And the golf green is normally two to three millimeters. So okay. it kind of gives you an idea. It's a little bit longer, but in the winter when the, the courts are not in use, we'll leave them at 13 millimeters. That little bit of extra length will help protect them from frost. Oh, okay. The winter weather, uh, it, it just keeps them a bit longer, a bit more healthier. What's the worst in-tournament nightmare you've had to deal with? It's rain. It's just, just excessive rain. I mean, even though center court now has a retractable roof, Yeah. Yes, we can carry on playing, but the other 18 courts that we use are covered. We start getting behind in the schedule. Yeah. This past tournament, we had to play on the middle Sunday, which wasn't ideal, but we had to. Because so that's usually the off day, right? It's usually the off day, so we had to play to you know to play catch up, and uh, it worked out good. We finished the tournament on time. If Wimbledon had to go an extra day, it's an, a logistical nightmare, not only for the players but for you know security, caterers, ticketing, staff, everything, right? ticketing. Yeah. To add the extra day is a complete nightmare, so trying to get everything done on time is uh, very, very key. So what kind of drainage is there for the courts? The courts are a, a clay loam soil, and uh, the courts actually have about about 22% clay in them. And when that clay starts to dry off, that's that's how the courts get so, so rock hard. The month before the tournament, we'll start covering them anyway, so if there's heavy rain forecast, we'll cover all the courts, blow the big bubbles up. Uh, but after that, you know, if it's a if it's a typical members day and it rains, we don't cover, and uh, they'll they'll be back in play when they're fit. But the courts tend to drain very well. Some of those courts are almost a hundred years old, Jeez. and they uh, they drain really well. Grant, can you stick around? Because there's a whole bunch more I want to ask you. This Absolutely. is fascinating. Grant Canton from Stony Plain. He's the head groundsman at Wimbledon. It's Inside Sports on 6:30. Chad. Hi, this is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, so the uh, Stars beat the Rangers 7-6. Just to update another wild game in the NHL. Reed Wilkins with you. We're joined by Grant Canton, who's the head groundsman at Wimbledon. I just got a text here to 630-630. Uh, ask Grant if he's ever planted a loony under the net of, of a court for Milos Regini. I don't think he's allowed to do that. So Funny you should say that, because I actually did. <laughs> oh, you did? <laughs> when, when Bouchard was uh, in the final a few years ago. <laughs> I actually got pictures of, my buddy took pictures of it. I put a loony in the post socket, then the post goes on top of it. And I'm thinking, if she wins, this would be great. I might get in a little bit of trouble for this. Right. But let's face it, it's a coin in the post socket. But unfortunately, she didn't win, so I didn't. I haven't told many people that story. But I did it. and uh, But I didn't do it this year for Milos because I figured it might have been bad luck for Jeannie. What was it? Uh, so this is, was it 2014 she was in the final or 15? Uh, I think it was 14. 14, and he was in... This year, Last 2016. Year, 16, yep. 16, yeah, okay, cool. So, uh, Grant, is so, I mean, it's funny. You grew up in Stony Plain. I grew up in in, in Evansburg. Okay. Uh, and I'm 42, so you're probably in, in my ballpark. I'm 42 as well. Oh, so there you go. We may have played hockey against each other at some point. You were probably way better than me if we did. <laughs> uh, so you, so in 2002, you get to move to, to, to London, England. You yep. didn't know if you were going to stay there. You wound up you wound up staying there. What 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 was the? I mean, look, it's an English-speaking nation, obviously. But what what was a big transition for you moving over there? You know, growing up in Stony Plain to moving to London, obviously a huge change. You go from living on the acreage to a full-blown concrete jungle of a city. Uh, London's cool, though. I mean, it, the history there: the thousand-year-old castles, five-hundred-year-old pubs. Uh, <laughs> Just the history of the place, and obviously Wimbledon, you know, it's the current site it's on, they've been there since 1922, so there's a lot of history there, but London is definitely a, a different lap on the racetrack, no question about it, but I've been there 15, 16 years now, so I'm completely used to it, so it's so nice to come back to town, people complain about the traffic here, I say, this is this is not too bad, trust me, 
<laughs> the population density and the traffic must... Does it still... Have you shaken your head sometimes? A little bit, but, you know, I'm surprised how big Spruce Grove has gotten. Stony Plain right, right. is still a little small, but let's keep it that way. It's a, it's a town. Let's keep it that way. Um, so, yeah, I love coming home and seeing everything that I remember as a kid, the old hockey rinks, and, uh, you know, my dad still lives out of the acreage where I, where I grew up, so it's uh, fantastic. What teams and or sports uh, do you still follow uh, you know, now that you moved or, or have your interest shifted because you're in a different uh, sporting climate, so to speak? When I first moved to London, obviously the uh, the whole internet thing wasn't as great to watch Euler games, so I usually listen to them on the radio or just look at the scores. Uh, so I picked up the Premier League f- football, soccer, so to speak, and I, I got into that. Uh, but now, obviously, I can watch any hockey game whenever I want with the uh, NHL Game Centre and all that. I uh, watch a lot of hockey and a lot less soccer, so... Hockey's a real man sport. You watch these soccer players rolling around, tripping over the wind, and uh, it's kind of embarrassing, especially when there's five cameras on them showing the replay of absolutely nothing happening to them. So I must admit I've lost a bit of respect for those guys. But, yeah, hockey is the number one for me. always has been. Do you have a lot of people you can uh, – other Canadians, or do you meet any English people that you can bond with over not, hockey? Not, or is it just, not really. Just there's, you? Uh, there's a couple guys that work that will support a team, but they maybe know one player on the team, so that's not They just really like the having same. the pennant up in their There's a Canadian bar in London called the Maple and we used to meet up there for a few beers and chicken wings and watch a few of the games. But, uh, no, I like getting home from work and uh, getting in my recliner and watching the Oilers game from the night before because most Oilers games are on at 2 or 3 in the morning for me. So uh, Right. So can you avoid knowing the result then it's, if you're it's careful? A, it's a bit tough. I obviously got to stay off my phone. Because uh, people will be, right? Facebook and all yeah. the other stuff. You know, there's always the score on that. But uh, usually I can get home and uh, not know the score, which is great. All right. So you, do you follow any other uh, Canadian or Edmonton teams or yeah, athletes yeah, still? Yeah, no, I follow the Eskimos. been following yeah. them for quite a while. Actually, can get their games on the sports channels over in London, which is nice. Oh, good. Yeah. So uh, watch the Eskimos, watch the Oilers. Uh, but that's that's pretty much it. You know. But when the Eskimos won the Grey Cup, were you just kind of oh, like nobody stoked. nobody to celebrate with though? You're just like, me, <laughs> just like sitting there like me and the cats. Yeah. It was uh, <laughs> try to call people back home. And it's stuff. like who's the Eskimos? It's like all right, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, Grant. So tell me. I know you're uh, you're in town here for for a while. Uh, when you so this is this usually time though where you could take a little bit of time off and get away from the club because of the the weather and its courts are closed down and stuff. Yeah, winter time is a good time for me to go uh, travel back home. Uh, we usually go down to Phoenix. We got a house down in Phoenix, but uh, we're back here now. And but yeah, pretty much from April till. September is kind of a no-go time for me to go on holiday. Right. We're just far too busy, especially with the preparation. And like I said, after the event, we got to basically dig up 40 courts, rebuild them, regrow them, re-level them, get them absolutely perfect going into winter for the following year. So it's a big, vicious circle, but I enjoy it. I'm outside every day. Every day is different. Get to meet loads of people. How many staff do you have? 30 on my crew. Okay. Uh, Wimbledon in total has probably 200 staff there which doesn't seem like a lot, but during the championships, there's over 7,000 with security, caterers, all of it. So uh, You wanted to tell me, sorry, we're running short of time. This is great, but tell me the story about the net. Yeah, something I started in 2007 was uh, when Tim Henman retired, I gave him the net from his last ever match, and then I thought, wouldn't it be cool to start giving the players their first, or the net from their first Wimbledon title? So 2008, I, I gave Nadal his. 2010, I gave, or no, sorry, 2011, I gave Djokovic his. 2012, I gave, or no, 2009, sorry, I gave Roger Federer the net, but it wasn't his first one, but it was the one he beat Pete Sampras's record on. Okay. Andy Murray won in 2013, he got it. So uh, 
I was really hoping to give Raonic his uh, in 2016, but you know maybe maybe next year he'll uh, he'll do it. But the players love it because they get the uh, replica trophy, but to have the net that the final was played on, and actually every single match for the whole tournament is a it's a great souvenir for him. Is there ever any? And I know you've been there a while now, but is there ever any? How could a how could a Canadian have this hallowed job at an English institution? Do you ever face that? Not really. I mean, uh, people always ask me why I don't speak English like like with English <laughs> accent, and I said, well, why would I? I've always talked like this. Right. <laughs> but uh, you know, it, they don't look at it as an Englishman should have that position. It's the guy suited for the job, and uh, I'm very honored and very proud to uh, have this job. I did get my British British citizenship, I think, in about 2009 or 10. So I have the, the dual passports, which is nice to have. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's weird. I'm, I'm, I'm a, that's home for me now at the moment. You know, I'm a, I'm a Londoner. It's, it's yeah. weird to say, but I mean, one day I'll, I will come back here because this is home and I love it here. Uh, what's your favorite thing to eat over there? Like, do they do a steak as well as they do it in Alberta? No, <laughs> I would, I would go as far as say pretty much any food over there is not as good as anything you can get here. Oh wow! Yeah, unless you go to the nice restaurants, which I do once in a while. But you know, even the the fish and chips we went to before the show here was. Uh, great you know it's has tim hortons reached london yet it hasn't it hasn't (laughs) i wish it would because they do great coffee and great donuts (laughs) i see the lineups outside the place so uh it's it's just different over there you have to pay for parking everywhere you go there's nowhere to park it's just it's just different so i like coming home and yeah we're still pretty lucky here and a lot of wide open space you know the, the cold weather i could give it a miss but you know what I've not seen winter in six years, so I, I kind of enjoyed it. Grant, thanks so much for coming in. Uh, are you on Twitter? Do you have a website? Or I know people, if people Google your name, Grant Canton, C-A-N-T-I-N, yep. uh, there's an article McLean's did on you and stuff if they want to read more. I guess you probably don't have a personal website. There's a bio on the Wimbledon page, though, right? I I'm thought I sure. found that earlier today. Maybe. Yeah. I, I don't do... Well, people I, can just I don't, Google I don't, your name. Uh, and... I don't do Twitter or anything like that because it consumes people's lives. So. Well, but you can, trust me. <laughs> hey, thanks it. so much for coming in. Thank you very much. Grant Canton grew up in Stony Plain, now the head groundsman at Wimbledon. Also, thanks to Dion Lacey, Drew Remenda, everybody who called and texted tonight. Another fun show. Oilers are on tomorrow. 6 o'clock face-off show. Game against the Panthers at 7.30. Thanks to Dave Campbell, our producer, and Patrick Bauer, our studio producer. My name is Reed Wilkins. Charles Adler tonight is up next. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.